The Quintessential Podcast is proud to announce that we have a new presenting sponsor, Axia Time. Axia Time is a really cool watch company focused on ultra-custom watches to commemorate life's greatest accomplishments. Watches whose styling and quality match the significance of the accomplishments they represent. Axia Time is also partnered with all the leading lacrosse organizations to create all-American timepieces for high school boys and girls and college men and women. Axia Time even creates timepieces for elite awards like the Tuareton and Naismith. If you're interested in a high-quality, Swiss-made timepiece to commemorate a great accomplishment, you need to check out their designs at axiatime.com. That's A-X-I-A time.com. If you're celebrating a team achievement, like a state championship, national championship, or even world championship, you have to check out the timepieces they created for teams like Jesuit Dallas, the University of Maryland, and even the USA U21 world champion. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Quintessential Podcast. Quinn Kesnick joined by Brian Holman, head coach of the PLL Cannons, fresh off a uh, resounding win in uh, Minnesota, what, 19 to 12 over the Atlas. Uh, coach, we, I got a lot to talk about, but I got to tell you, I, I had I had a fantastic time in Minnesota. We, uh, you know, I told you, I, we stayed downtown within walking <laughs> distance of the Twins, uh, and we went Friday night to watch the O's beat the Twins. It was something else. Uh, really nice fans, beautiful park. You know, amongst friends, people I work with who I enjoy spending time with. So special for you. Do you walk away with from a weekend a very different uh, temperament wise uh, after a win versus after a loss? I mean, you know, well, first of all, Q, thanks for having me on, but I appreciate it. Yeah, I can see that smile on your face out there. You looked more relaxed than I've seen you in a while. Looks like you had some fun. So what a beautiful venue. Um, they hit a home run with with that place. Um, the hotel was magnificent. The, you know, you walked everywhere. The stadium was Saturday. I thought the night game was, was buzzing. I thought it was so cool. Um, so that was a blessing. Um, I, you know, I, to answer your question. Yeah, of course. Like, you know, natural instinct is, you know, you always feel better, um, after you win a game. Um, you know, but at the end of the day, you, you know, you can, you can win games and, and be very, very concerned about, you know, <laughs> how you yeah. won um, and you can lose games. And I felt this way after we lost to the chaos. Uh, I remember saying it in an interview and talking to the guys in the locker room after the game, like we're, we're, we're right there. We're getting there. And we, we just lost a tough heart, kind of heartbreaking game for those guys. So you know, I, I don't get caught to try not to get caught up in the emotional aspect of it. Just really want to wait. One thing I've learned over the years is just to sit back and, and wait till you watch the film and talk to everybody and really let the thing, the dust settle for about 24 hours. Uh, and then I think you can form a much better opinion, educated opinion about what happened that weekend. So interesting. So, so instead of going in the locker room and immediately pointing fingers or giving hugs uh it's much more of a just lay back and, and let it uh let it settle yeah it, it you know there 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 was a little more emotion probably on saturday night than i i would have liked to have shown i think part of it was was marcus's uh record and and and, and also it was really uh the intent uh, of our guys I, I i just i thought we crossed a threshold and i and i don't 
this could come back to bite me in the ass, but I, I just felt like we as a program and as an organization and a team kind of made a huge stride. Um, but typically it's, yeah, it's that. It's like, you know, hey, you know, we got better tonight uh, or we didn't. Um, and we're going to look at the film and I'm going to be back in touch with you guys in about 24 hours. And we're going to hop on a Zoom on Monday night and break this thing down to the nth degree and put that one away, see what we get out of it and then move on to the next one. So, yeah. You're, you're two and two now. Like, this is a league where you could go six and two the rest of the way, and I wouldn't be surprised. You could go two and six the rest of the way. Like, I, I this, is a, this is a hard league to predict. To me, it's a one-weekend season every week, and you really uh, – it, it helps to know what players are dealing with in, in their lives, but it's, it's a very tough predictor. And you hope, obviously, in your case, you had momentum before the break. And you and you kept with it uh, after a slow first quarter. Uh, you played great in the second quarter. It was a nine-one run, yeah. but you kept that momentum and built on it. Yeah. But but like that's not always guaranteed, right? No, no. And and I think honestly, one of the things I really like about this league is is that level of competition, right? So, you know, if you're not if you're not prepared and you're not fully invested 100 percent you know you could go out there and get embarrassed really easily yeah. i mean you know they're the best players in the world and so i think that just puts the onus on on the players and the staff to really be at, at their best every week um because none of us want to go out there and and say wow you know we weren't ready for this you know um so i i kind of like that personally um I, I just think it takes a lot of the guesswork out of it the the you know the emotional piece you know, are we much better than this team or are we, God, we're 10 goals worse than this team. We're never going to be able to compete with them. So I, I don't know. I, I, I like, I like that process personally. So how much are you interacting with the, each individual? Uh, because it seems like that's critical to each player finding a, a, finding a role, finding success. And I use Matt Cavanaugh. We talked about him the other day as an example. This guy was kind of struggling early in the year in the last two games. He's found his role and he's thriving now. And you just see it in his body language. You see he's kind of cut out what he can do to be successful here, whether it's riding or cutting. Uh, so how much do you deal with the team? How much do you deal with individuals? You know, I, I, I you know, for me, it's probably split. I mean, I, I, I think, you know, again, I, uh, it, it's like everything in life, you, you know, you try to, you get, you want to, you want to work to your strengths, right? Like, you know, I'm not saying I don't mess with the X's and O's. I certainly do. I have my input. I do my write up. I send it to Mikey and I send it to Jim. Um, but I really rely on those guys a lot to do a lot of the game planning issues. If I see something I don't like, I'll, I'll bring it up talk about it. I'm not sure why would we run this set here or, you know, what we're, we're going to force him here. I don't understand. And, and, and and talk through it but and then my job really I, I think my job and this is again another reason I, I really love this job is is I only have to deal with 25 people um, in that sense now we look at it a little differently maybe than some other group I don't know I, I shouldn't say that we I, I'm looking at a whole organization so you know I'm looking at a trainer I'm looking at a, a operations manager I'm looking at a uh, you know a media person we, we approach this as, as we were building the Cannons organization with everybody invested, right? So my job is to, is to make sure all those people are, are getting everything they need to, to do their jobs at the highest levels. And that's how I look at our players. Um, I want to provide for them the best platform 
that they can possibly, uh, uh, that we can provide for them, that they can succeed in, okay? So that's, that's gotta have, I've gotta have constant conversations with them, you know, telephone, texts, Zoom calls. Um, you know, our captains are extraordinary with, with uh, kind of carrying out our message and my message to the, to the team and the players. So that's my role. My role is, is the pulse. My role is motivation, inspiration. I'm not so much a motivator. I, I like to think I'm more of a, I try to be an inspiration for these guys. Um, and then I'm the final decision maker when it comes to whatever it is that we're, we're, we're going to do. Um, but you know, it's, it's so much more fun having 25 men that you have to do this with versus 50 sort of boys. I was going to, I was going to ask you, you know, the, the babysitting component doesn't seem to be as, uh, as strong. Like you sleep well at night knowing that guys are going to behave. And if they don't behave, you just cut them. Yeah. It, it's a, it's, you know, it's a professional league and, and, and that's, that's what, you know, that's what you say on Saturday night after you play, you're like, we're professionals and there's no room. And if, and if, you know, you don't handle your business and you show up next week and you're not ready to play, you know, there's, there's five, six guys sitting on this list that, that are chomping at the bit to get on the field, let alone all the people in the waiver pool. So it's not really a threat. I don't bring it up anymore. It's something we talked about in camp a lot of what I was expecting out of our, our organization. Um, and our guys have done a phenomenal job with that, but yeah, my, one of my greatest fears as a college coach, I tell this to our players all the time is when I went to bed at night and put that phone right next to uh, on my bed stand and just prayed so hard every night it wouldn't ring. Um, and that, that was probably my, it was my greatest fear as a, as a college lacrosse coach, you know, even though you, you try to teach these young men about great decisions and you, you instill in them how important it is to make those great decisions. You know, it was the same way, and you're going to see this when your daughter gets her driver's license the first time yeah. she she I'm drives that ready. out of the driveway. You you just you got to rely on something else, and it's it's hopefully everything that you've taught them. But you know, um, but yeah, I, I I adore working with with these these men for sure. Yeah, for our listeners who care, she's at the FCA camp uh, this week up in Lancaster, PA, was- and and after two days. I, I got to tell you, you know, knock on wood, she was thrilled with everything. Uh, so I, I couldn't be happier. She was really smiley last night and having a good time and, and enjoying the fellowship and, and the lacrosse. Okay. So good. Uh, good. what you described a little back coach is servant leadership. Uh, it's, it's the, how can I help leadership? Uh, yeah. I read a book this summer, the culture code that really talks oh, yeah. about it. Yeah. And, and what you describe is that, that communication, you know, that, that, con- that, whether it's between units, whether it's between team, whether between coach, like it's a constant communication. Uh, what what are your expectations from your guys like between Saturday and Saturday? Uh, you, you mentioned Zooms. Do you ask them to work out on their own? Do you, uh, you know, like what are the expectations? Yeah, well, we, we've, we clearly, we clearly define that in, in training camp, you know, a big mantra and in, in, in we, we have a, I don't want to call it a, a, a manual. We, we, we call it the, it's called the pillars of, of Canon lacrosse. And, and we spent a lot of time in training camp going through the pillars and, and, you know, they're, they're, they're built off of five words, which we don't want to be words. We want them to be the types of people that, 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 that Canons want to be, you know, and it's, and it's honesty, uh, it's gratitude, it's trust, um, uh, it, it's passion. Um, and it's humility. And 
you know, so it starts there. It starts in camp and it's, it starts with, with, you know, what do those words mean to us and, and how do we, how do we import them into our daily lives? Like, you know, how, how do we, how, what does being a humble person look like? And some people have, have false perceptions of that, you know, just walking around and kind of being meek and mild mannered. And, you know, what, what, you know, what does gratitude really do for you? And you can do all the studies. And I, I handed out books to these guys to show how important gratitude is in your life of, of just waking up in the morning. And just for me, it's, I thank God. And, and, and I just want to be that best person. And then we kind of build out from there, but we have a little, uh, it's not even an acronym Q it's, it's called MPST. And, and, so what I ask them to do is every single day of their lives, um, I hope it carries over into their lives after their cannons, um, is to spend time and, and prepare yourself mentally, physically, spiritually, and tactically. Um, and if you, if you spend time in each one of those boxes every single day, and that could be 10 minutes on one part of it, 30 minutes on another, but, but every one of those boxes deserves some of your time and that's what I ask all of our guys to do um and and if you're doing that you're you're going to be better and that's been the constant mantra for us from from the get-go is let's just try to get a little bit better every single day as individuals and then collectively so so that's my calling to them it, you know we we don't have anything else I I really don't worry about the opponent that much I really you know, yes, we prepare scouting reports and yes, we go over all that. But if we're not putting that daily time into ourselves, uh, into our program, then then we're probably not going to get better. And if we don't get better, you're getting worse. Right. You know that um, there's no neutral in this world ever. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I don't know if that answered your question or not, but that's that's the process that we use as canons in our organization. It's interesting because that can look different. It's going to look different for different people. Yeah. Very much so. You mentioned gratitude. Uh, like your son, Marcus, I, I think about he, he's been, I sense some gratitude in his game. Obviously, passion has been always a part from when I first saw him at Gilman. And then now there's humility there also. He, he's uh, to a fault. He, he's deferential of his abilities. As, as you know, you pointed out on the air, I felt kind of like looked in the mirror, like, yeah, kind of sleeping on this guy a little uh, in terms of the overall scope here. But, but, but those, th those really do shine out uh, in, in the way he carries himself. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm proud of him. I mean, he's, he's heard that for a long time, but you know, you can hear something for a long time, but if, if you don't believe in it um, and it doesn't become part of, of your being and, and, and you don't adopt it, um, then it's, it's deaf ears. Right. And, and that's something that's important to me too. When, when we talk about, you know, coaching, you know, you can't just stand up in front of these guys and, and throw, excuse my language shit at them. It's gotta be something that, that resonates. And, and, and as you, you pointed out, each individual can take that MPSD and kind of craft it into his world. Right. You know, maybe, maybe, you know, Ryan Drenner is not really spiritual, right. So he, he only spends, a little bit of time. Maybe, maybe that component to him is intriguing. And these are the kind of talks that we end up having with our players like coach, what do you mean by spiritual? And, 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 and then that opens a door for us to get closer together and have an adult conversation about, you know, that part of his life and what it means to me to be that. Right. So it, it just, 
it allows us to, to kind of gravitate to a little bit of a higher level and, and a coach just standing up there and saying, this is what we need to do and this is how we're going to do it, right? Um, I don't think that works anymore. Um, so, How do you uh, develop connectivity between players? Uh, and Because and, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to, you know, I think that's evident in the way you guys are playing, whether it's the improvement of a Jonathan Donville from start to now, mentioned Kavanaugh there there are others Jack Kielty seems to be getting better every week as well how, how do you and, and guys are making each other better that's what we talked about after the game like one plus one equals three yeah. all of a sudden you've got a midfield line that that the roles are becoming understood and, and guys are complimenting each other is does that just time or or do you do you have to foster that in other ways yeah, I mean it's it's both. I don't think there's a magic recipe for it because sometimes you can you can you can work really hard at that and it it just doesn't take root, you know. Um, I think it's a combination of the right players um, and the right coaches. And and I think I think I think Q a lot of it is comes back to again one of our pillars is trust, you know, and honesty, you know, when. When, when these guys walk into the room, you know, and I'm not trying to toot my own horn here. It's just how we approach it is they know exactly what they're going to get from me and our staff. And, and, and we have very open and heartfelt and honest conversations when, when things aren't going well, you know, and this is, this is what we see and this is what we need to do better. What do you think? And then, and then getting them to, to, to open up and, and have, you know, opinions on things. Um, and I'm very inclusive. Like we, we, if there's a major decision to be made on our, our, in our program, you know, I'm going to get input from a lot of people, um, you know, and, and they know that. And, um, but they also know that at the end of the day, I'm going to do whatever it takes for us to be the best organization. And they trust me with that. So I think like you said, it's, Anything, anybody that you've ever trusted in your life, it's just taken time to develop that relationship, right? Um, and, you know, the, the disadvantage for us is you kind of got to do it in a quick period of time. You don't have 10 years to foster a relationship. So, you know, it takes a lot of hard work, um, but that's the joy of the business is, is getting that group to really, you know, I hate the term buy-in, but believe in what it is that we stand for so yeah belief confidence then that becomes a reality it sounds more like uh, for fans that don't know you were pretty successful in the mortgage uh, business when you got out of college and, and developed a business it sounds more like you're dealing with a company as opposed to dealing with student athletes at north carolina or utah two stops along your way because I mean, you can ask them you can defer to them but this feels different and in, in, in a trust that you're going to have with a 24 to 28 to 30 year old versus a 17 to 20 year old. Is that accurate? Um, I would say partly yes, but partly no. Um, okay. It, I, this approach is a very similar approach that I had, you know, with my other stops. Um, I was in a little bit of a different position at North Carolina, but, you know, um, I, I've always felt like my calling um, was the ability to, to find out what's in you and how can I make it, make it grow. Like that, that, that's really why I do this. Honestly, I, I, I just, I don't know. I've, I think I've been very fortunate to, to, to be able to have 
some sense of that. And, and um, so to answer your question, it's, I, I, it's the same method I've always in, in implored, um, but it is different for sure. Um, you know, I honestly, I think, I think these guys crave it. I think, I think they're at the perfect age to, to be able to kind of implore the system and get, and get instant feedback. You know, it's, it's tough to get a 17 year, 18 year old kid to really open up and cause they don't know who they are. Like they're trying to figure that out. And part of my role there is to help them figure that out. Right. Most of these guys are pretty comfortable with, with who they are as human beings. And, 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 and then if they're not, they want to grow and they're willing to say to you, coach, how do, how do I get there? You know, how, how do I change this? What can I do to make this better? And that is for me, it's like Nirvana. Like, you know, when, that, when those questions come out, it's like, okay, let's talk about it. Right. And uh, so, yeah, to, to answer your question, it's a little bit of both, but, but it, it is, it seems easier at this level. Uh, I want to go back to the Utah situation when, when, uh, when, when, when the dust settles and, and you, and you look back at it, uh, you took a, a pretty big leap, uh, and, and, and you built something really special out there that continues to this day. Uh, what, 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 we, what are you most proud of? What, what stands out? Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, just the work that, that went into to pulling that off. I mean, yeah. people have no idea, no idea what, what that venture was all about. That was, that was five years of, of just absolute grind. Um, and the relationships that were de developed between Marcus and Will and Adam and Tim McDermott and Tim Haslam and myself were, were are forever. I mean, Q, you have, nobody has any idea. I could write a chapter in a book easily on, 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 on that process. So I'm proud of all of those guys for their commitment and they're willing to work so hard because there were so many ups and downs in that journey. It was absurd, absurd really? moment yeah. by moment. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm proud of it. I'm proud of it that we pulled it off because as I've told a few other people, not many, um, you know, and again, this is going to come across as arrogant, but I, I don't care. It's the truth. Um, there isn't two or three people in this country that have, that could have pulled that, that venture off um, outside of the group that, 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 that I had with me. I, I know that. Um, so, um, and I'm proud that now, now we have another, you know, university out West, the furthest West that has a, that has a legitimate division one uh, program that, that I believe should be a top 2016 program for forever. Um, there's no reason that group should be out of the top 20. Um, and I'm proud of the relationships and, and I'm, I'm proud of the, the culture that we built um, you can you can call up Drew McMinn and I'm not speaking out of school. He's told me this a thousand times that it was rock solid when he got there. Um, and that's why they've been able to have such success. You know, no, no discredit to Drew. He's a very good coach. Um, but the guys that he had there waiting for him, they knew exactly what it was going to take to be successful at that level. So, yeah, I'm proud of that. Carolina assistant from what, 08, 09 ish to 2016. Yep. Uh, you took up. A big leap to be with your yeah. son, correct? Yeah, well, actually, I went down there before before Marcus. Uh, um, so, um, you know, it wasn't really like a package deal. Um, you know, I, I I had been talking to Coach Hawes prior to, to Joe getting the job, and then and then John left, um, and then 
Uh, I'll tell you a quick story. I, I, uh, and when John left, there were some people being interviewed and one of them was Don Zimmerman. Um, and, and Zim and I had talked and he said, if I got the job, would you go with me um, to North Carolina? And I said, absolutely. And then let me back up. When John left Hopkins and he went to Carolina, he asked me to go down there with him. And that was 2001, I believe, somewhere around there. And Lori, my wife, just said, no, we're not ready for that. And, you know, we had a beautiful home in Baltimore. Um, we love living there. The kids were younger. And, uh, and then when, when, when Zim was going to interview for the job, I said, yeah, went to Lori and she said, yeah, this is better timing. And long story is, you know, Zim, Zim kind of pulled out of the race. He just wasn't ready to, to go down there. And I was really bummed because I, I, I was really ready to make that jump. And um, I remember going to have dinner with the kids and we were all sitting around the table that night. And my oldest son, Matthew, looked over. And he's like, Dad, what, what's what's wrong? Because normally I'm not in it. I don't really let moods try to affect me one way or the other. And I said, you know, I'll be honest with you, but I'm a little bummed. You know, Coach Zim's not going to go for the Carolina job. And I think I think I'm out on that. And, and, and he's like, well, what are you talking about? And I said, I said, I, I don't know who I hear Coach Brushy might be the next guy in line. I really don't know Joe that well. And, and he's like, you know, Dad, I got to tell you, you know, you always say to us, you have a dream there's something that you're passionate about and and you need to keep fighting until the bitter end and i i tell you q i that was one of the most glorious moments as my parental life uh, i just thanked him and i thought about it and so i tracked down joe and had a meeting with him over at umbc before the one of uh the recruiting events back then jake reed's event yeah and up sitting in the bleachers for about two and a half hours getting to know each other and lo and behold we head off to Carolina. So, um, yeah, it's a great experience there for sure. I'm reading Frank Kelly's book right now that, uh, you know, the, the, his, his dad has always been one of my favorite people and, and oh to, to, to read about his dad on the sideline of the championship game, uh, <laughs> is, is, is really cool. Uh, your, your Hopkins time, obviously we, we crossed, I don't know if fans know, but we crossed over almost directly, uh, 87 to 90 when you, when you were an assistant coach and, yeah. you know, uh, I, I, I may have been the luckiest guy with, with you, uh, Doc Matthews, yeah. uh, Coach Hawes. I mean, he, when I was suspended in 1988, Coach Hawes would play racquetball with me for an hour after every single practice, because like, yeah. he knew I wasn't right, and yeah. he just went out of his way. Uh, more enjoyable, the coaching or, or the playing? Uh, playing for Chick, do, 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 you, do you feel <laughs> – do you feel some Henry Chickaroni in you? Because I see a little bit uh, every now and then when you when you get upset. Or, or, yeah. or do you do you rely on that your time there as as an assistant? Do you, do you lean on more now? You think a little, um, a little of all. I think it's I think it's a I I, I think we're all a, 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 a you know we're all like a soup right we 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 take bits and pieces from from so many different categories. Um, I will tell you this: when we went we went to Utah. Um, Coach Chick was clearly in the back of my head um, building that program. Um, he was he was the most competitive, um, the most loyal, like prepared. Um, I mean, when we played on Saturday, Q, and you've heard these stories. I mean, you were part of it. You were you were part of it. That's the, the you know when when Zim took over, it was it was you know it was a direct result of what the what the prior years were with with the Hopkins tradition is that we, 
you know, I tell our guys all the time, our practices were five times harder than going out and playing on a game day. Um, and if you didn't, and if you weren't playing well, the one thing I, I, I didn't like at the time um, is, is you were always worried about your job, you know, and as a goalie, you know, Hey, I'd look over in the bench and there's, you know, Larry Quinn sitting over there and, and Larry's one of the all-time great goalies, but you know, my claim to fame is you could never beat me out. So nobody ever talks about me in that sense. So, <laughs> but you know, well, you look over there. You when you're, when you're 0.664 in your senior <laughs> year, 66%. Are they going to take you out? Yeah, he would. He just, he was ruthless. And if he, you know, if he didn't like your body language, if he didn't like the way you were playing, you know, you were, you were, you were gone. So I didn't, I didn't like that part of it, but I, I, I love the intensity. I love the preparation. Uh, I learned so much from him. Um, so I have a, I had a little bit of that. I, you know, I've, I've kind of reassessed how I want to approach coaching. Um, you know, after Utah, I, I, I think what we did out there was right, but you know, this is a different league and there's, and I definitely have a different approach um, to, to, to these guys. And I think if you don't, I think if you don't really, if you're not constantly assessing who you are and what you're doing and how you're going about it, then, then you're not evolving and growing. And, you know, as a person, I want to continue to evolve and grow. Um, you know, as a husband and a father and now a grandfather and a, and a coach and a mentor. And so I, my approach with these guys is a little bit different, but, but they know I got it in me. If, if things aren't going right, they've heard it from me before, yeah. you know, the accountability piece of it. So, uh, but my, my days at Hopkins were, were awesome. And I mean, played in four straight national championships, lost three by three goals. I mean, how, who could ask for more than that? Right. Um, but I would be remiss if I didn't mention Freddie because he ultimately was, was the glue that held me together there um, really? personally. And he's, so he's, he's also one of the reasons why I coach. Um, so, um, you know. He, 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 did he reach out to you uh, specifically and counsel you on the side yeah. quite a bit? Yeah, a ton. Um, I, I had a rough go at Hopkins early. And again, people don't know this because I don't talk about it, but it's nobody's business. Nobody cares. Um, you know, I had family issues. You know, my dad was never around. My, my mom was going through some hard times. One of my brothers was going through some hard times. There was a constant. And I, and I always felt like I was a little bit out of place at Hopkins. I, I, I didn't come from that kind of background. You know, I felt like, uh, you know, I was from Southern Maryland and kind of a poor family and a, a farming family. And, and sometimes in Baltimore, I felt a little out of place. And, and I think it showed sometimes with me personally. Um, and Freddie was someone that recognized that. And, and he spent a lot of time with me and he helped me tremendously through that. Um, and that's what I try to do with a lot of our, my players is, is if I see them struggling for some reason, I, I want to know what it is. And if I can help them, I will, you know, just, if, just saying, Hey, what's up, you know, and, and, you know, cause you never know, right. You never know what's going to, what's going to flip someone to, to be able to open up to you. And so I thank God for Freddie Smith every single day. That's the safe place. That's the safe, that's, that's guys needing to know that the locker room, the field, when they were a cannon, it's a safe place. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, we're, we're, you know, we're a family, man. Like, you know, and I, that's just not tossed around as a, as a term. It's not even in anywhere in our binder about being a family or whatever, but we, we are, and we're going to take care of each other and we're going to support each other. Um, we're going to be there for each other. And they, they know that because they know that I am and our staff is, and our captains are, uh, and all of our players are. So, um, yeah, 100%.
Cannon's on the big show this week, Saturday night, six o'clock on ESPN two. Yeah. Uh, Jay Alter, Kark, and Dana awesome. for the uh, the linear game this week. Rafferty Stadium in Fairfield, Connecticut. So you'll head up uh, Thursday night or Friday morning. Yeah, Friday uh, practice, morning. Practice Friday. What's a, what's a pro practice look like, Coach? Yeah, that that that's something that we're still trying to figure out. So I, I you know, we last, you know, I think. We just do it the way that our guys want to do it. So it's it's about an hour and a half, hour and forty minutes long. Um, there's some there's some physical pieces in there early because uh, these guys don't get touched all week, right? So, yeah. you know, there's an old saying, you know, you don't get you don't get tough by being soft, and 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 so we got to mix that in, but you got to be careful because it's the day before a game. So it it's still a process, honestly, Quint, that I'm I'm trying to get comfortable with. Um, the guys have seemed to like the pace and the flow. So, so, so I think we're, we're good there. Um, I, you know, I question the balance between the physicality of it and, and really the mental, but these guys are so smart. It doesn't take a lot to, to like get them to, to, you know, you just put something in one time, they run it once or twice and it's like, they okay. have it. yeah. So, um, but, but it's similar, you know, you know, you'll do some two on twos, you do some four on fours, you're, you're, you're going to split and for 15, 20 minutes, O and D to, 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 to go through the scout and, and any uh, things that they want to talk about on that end. The other thing you got to remember too, there's only 19 guys out there. So it's not like, you know, if you do a drill, you're, you're it's five minutes, it's two reps, you're done. That's it. You know? Um, so, so, so taking all that into the process was, was interesting. Um, You'll do some man up, man down. Um, obviously, earlier on, do, do some stick work to get you going. Um, we'll do some six-on-six six sets. Uh, we'll do some subbing sets, do some face-off sets. But everything is two to three reps, right? And uh, and then give them about 15, 20 minutes to do whatever it is on their own. And, and a lot of that is really valuable that they're shooting. And, you know, tack goes down one end and just kind of works on some of the stuff that they want to work on. And so... Maybe that was too descriptive for you, but that's that's kind of how we run it. Well, I enjoyed seeing you in Minnesota, Coach. It was really good to see uh, the Cannons really, uh, you know, cross the threshold or turn the page, so to speak, after uh, what's been a, a, a rough couple couple years. And I, I got I oh, by the way, I drove by your old house. I drove by your old house, and like there, there, there's a lot for sale, I guess, out there. And, and yeah, you. That used to be my lot. <laughs> I know, it's such, a, such a beautiful spot. I was like, ooh, that could be me. Yeah. That could be me. Yeah. I'm sorry but, I don't own it, Q. I, I but, I, but I thought of you when I drove, I would, when I drove I would by. I would sell it to you for a nominal price. I would sell it to you if I still owned it. Well, thank you, Coach. Uh, again, the Cannons are on uh, Saturday night at 6 on ESPN2 up in Connecticut. And hopefully the crowd's half as good as it was in Minnesota because it was – that was really cool. That was that really was, cool. That's yeah. really special. And uh, yeah. PLL's done a great job. You do a great job, bud. And, uh, you know, I always enjoy talking to you, Quint. You got yeah. so bright. And, uh, and uh, I don't know, we have great conversations. So I appreciate everything. Thank you. Thank you, Coach. Appreciate your time. Yeah, bye-bye. Best to Lori and the crew. Okay, thank you. See ya. The Quintessential Podcast is proud to announce that we have a new presenting sponsor, Axia Time. Axia Time is a really cool watch company focused on ultra-custom watches to commemorate life's greatest accomplishments. Watches whose styling and quality match the significance of the accomplishments they represent. Axia Time is also partnered with all the leading lacrosse organizations to create all-American timepieces for high school boys and girls and college men and women. 
Axia Time even creates timepieces for elite awards like the Tuareton and Naismith. If you're interested in a high-quality, Swiss-made timepiece to commemorate a great accomplishment, you need to check out their designs at axiatime.com. That's A-X-I-A-Time.com. If you're celebrating a team achievement like a state championship, national championship, or even world championship, you have to check out the timepieces they created for teams like Jesuit Dallas, the University of Maryland, and even the USA U21 world champions. I want to thank Coach Holman for his appearance on the Quintessential Podcast. He was a huge figure for me as an assistant coach at Johns Hopkins when I played there both on and off the lacrosse field. I want to talk a little PLL and then set you free for the week. Uh, Premier Lacrosse League in Fairfield, Connecticut this weekend. Rafferty Stadium, Friday and Saturday, July 14 and 15. Friday night, 6 and 8.30 games on ESPN+. Plus. Water Dogs and Whip Snakes kick off the weekend, followed by the Archers and the Redwoods at 8.30. Jake Marsh, Paul Carcaterra, and Dana Boyle have the call there. Saturday, 6 o'clock is the ESPN2. That's the linear game. Saturday at 6, ESPN2. Chrome and Cannons. So Coach Holman's Cannons facing the Chrome at 6 on ESPN2. Followed at 8.30. The nightcap, Atlas and Chaos. Jay Alter, Paul Carcaterra, and Dana Boyle with the call. We'll take a look at the Water Dogs. So let's briefly go through all eight teams right now. What stands out to me, the Water Dogs, Michael Sowers. Duke class of 2021 after that great career and putting up the monster points at Princeton. He, he, he's in peak form right now. You're talking about an athlete who's a few years out of college. Uh, he dealt with some health issues, and he's got his weight up. He's eating more. He's doing some heavy lifting, and he has looked fantastic, both in the World Championships in San Diego, running out of the midfield, but now he's back to his natural attack position. And last week in Minnesota, uh, he was unstoppable from behind the net. I think for the Water Dogs, you got to figure out, is Connor Kelly back in the lineup or not? He was injured in the gold medal game uh, at the World Championships against Canada. Uh, looked like a groin or potentially uh, an upper quad type injury. Uh, he sat out last weekend in Minnesota. If, if he's back, that's a big boost. Most of the production from the Water Dogs last week came from the attack. Jake Carraway had a big game. Uh, seeing some time at midfield, Kieran McCardle and Ethan Walker looked good as well. Uh, Andy Copeland has gone with the no-fogo strategy here of basically conceding the draw back to the defensive end with Eli Gobrecht or Zach Courier and then riding hard, capitalizing on the opponent, maybe substituting, turning the ball over, and then having poor offensive efficiency in the 32-second shot clock. Uh, it has proved effective so far. We'll see if that's sustainable long-term as teams now try to come up with answers. Dylan Ward was really good for the Water Dogs in Minnesota, finishing with 15 saves, coming off his world championship appearance and I talked about it on TV you know Dylan's won a lot of big games but when you're a big game hunter you're going to lose some big games as well and I couldn't have been more impressed with the way he bounced back from that setback uh, as Team Canada lost to Team USA in the finals Saturday night's game two Archers Redwoods Archers Redwoods going to be really interesting the Archers a uh, high scoring team they play uh, a really free-flowing brand of lacrosse they're really fun to watch they, they love the transition game Brett Dobson's made a lot of clean saves this year, and his outlets have been outstanding. John Robbins and Jared Connors, their two LSMs, get up and down the field really well. Latrell Harris, Connor Marr, and Piper Bond, their shorties, push tempo. Uh, we'll find out if Grant Ament is back in the lineup. He's been nursing a left hamstring injury. 
I would guess with the All-Star game coming up, they might give him one more week off and then hope to bring him back after Louisville in Baltimore uh, at 100%. You know, hamstrings, I talked about it on the air, hamstrings, he's 26 now. Hamstrings in lacrosse are problematic because when you run with your head up, as lacrosse players do, it puts more pressure on the hamstrings. Uh, if, if you run with a great body lean, like football running backs, let's say, there's more pressure on the quad and, and, and the glute. Uh, but anytime you bring your head up and your upper body up to scan the field, eyes up, head up, that puts more pressure on the hammies. Uh, Archers, though, they didn't miss a beat. You know, Connor Fields did a lot of the ball handling. Matt Moore did a lot of the goal scoring. Tommy Shrivers, the versatile threat up top. I thought at the beginning of that game, he was looking to handle for himself. As the game went on, he was more of a secondary option uh, from the midfield. And certainly Mac O'Keefe can sting it in transition. So the the Archers are going to be fun to watch with Chris Bates at the helm. Tony Resch doing a great job with their defense. Redwoods played well last week. Uh, Redwoods have been... A little bit of a hit and miss. They've, they've had uh, moments where they look like a championship contender, as they did last week. They've also had some moments where they didn't play as well. A couple key points to this team. Rob Pinnell is playing in career form. It's, it's hard to believe. He's 33 years old. Cornell 2013. He is so at ease with his game, seeing the field, not chasing points, not chasing the highlight play, letting it come to him and I, you know, what he did last week, I think he had seven points. It was, it was outstanding. Ryder Garnsey, his lefty comrade on the left wing, Notre Dame 2019, the assistant, uh, volunteer assistant for the Fighting Irish off their championship. He can't miss this summer. Uh, coming into the game, he was shooting 14 of 23. That stat is now 18 of 30. Uh, and we showed his shot chart. Joe Keegan of, of PLL uh, posted that shot chart and, and you can see, He's not wasting very many shots. He's shooting, what, 54%. Midfielders, Jules Henningberg is is doing a fantastic job. And and where Jules is so dangerous is that he can attack from the top of the arc, he can attack from the wing, and he can be a a, a threat in two-man games uh, with with the invert off off X. And anytime he's paired with Pinnell, really good things happen. It'll be interesting to see if if the Redwoods can get Miles Jones going. I thought he kind of turned the corner in Minnesota. Charlie Bertrand has been kind of nursing an injury coming off the World Games. And then they've got capable threats in transition with Nakai Montgomery and Isaiah Davis-Allen. The defense is all Notre Dame all the time, okay? And and that's their strength. They're, they've got to play a buttoned-up team-based defense. Garrett Eppel is the signature piece of that defense. He's been really good roaming the middle like a middle linebacker. He's, he's a capable one-on-one cover guy. But his impact with his stick and the disruption that he can cause when he gets his hands on you uh, is, is massive. I was impressed with John Sexton, their LSM. I thought he picked up a, a, picked off a couple passes in passing lanes and got up the field really well. Uh, and TD Erlin, in my eyes, is the, the second best faceoff man in the league behind Trevor Baptiste. Jack Kelly, between the pipes, has been uh, extremely strong. 28-year-old now, coming off that Team USA appearance. Brown 2016 when he took him to the Final Four. Highly seasoned, getting healthier every week after tearing his ACL. Really good on low shots a week ago. Saturday's action, Chrome and Cannons. Chrome and Cannons, that's the ESPN2 game. The Cannons, one of the stories of this season, quite honestly, they've got two wins already. This is a team that, uh, as, as Coach Holman explained, has uh, really turned the corner and they're developing confidence. Th- th- this attack is, is super strong. In that they're making each other better right now. Asher Nolting with his 
distribution skills, and he's a matchup issue at 6'2". I don't know, was he go 240-ish? Marcus Holman surpassing the 300 goal threshold. Uh, only a few players have done that in league history. Holman's not going to beat you off the dribble, but man, he can pass it. He's going to nail mid-range shots. I mean, he's got incredible accuracy. He plays with great passion, understands the flow of games. He's a really good passer in transition. And then you got Matt Cavanaugh, who I thought had a slow start to the season, the lefty, fighting Irish class of 2016. He's 30 now. Man, he turned the corner in the last two weeks. I thought he played the best game of the season in Minnesota. A couple lefty cuts. He got his riding game going. And I think he's really settled into his role. I think there's comfort there. The, the other guy that I saw massive improvement from was Matt Campbell, the rookie out of Villanova. Del Barton grad, big points at Nova, can play attack and play midfield. He's running strictly midfield. And when they put a shorty on him, look out, because he, he's abused shorties off the dodge. Uh, he, he demands the pole. I'm not sure what, what their opponent was thinking last week. Campbell uh, and Tucker Dordovic, in my eyes, won two in terms of the rookie voting. I would put Gavin Adler at number three. Cannon's defense has been solid. You know, uh, Jake Pulver, Cade Van Raphorst, the acquisition from the Atlas, and Jack Kielty, they've they've done well enough. Okay, the Cannons appear to be playing high-scoring games, and so they're going to give up maybe 10, 11, 12 to hopefully get 13, 14, 15. Uh, Colin Kirst now looking to make his third start between the pipes. Chrome have had issues. Uh, Chrome offensively just can't find their rhythm quite yet. You know, remember early in the season, week one at Albany, it was Cross Ferrara, the rookie from Salisbury with the game winner. Jackson Marl was kind of running the show from behind the net. Well, now Brendan Nick turns back in the lineup, Army Class of 2022, and it just didn't look good last week. Uh, They just haven't found their sink. Logan Wisnowskis hasn't been fully unlocked. And the midfielders, I'm not sure I love the spacing between Sam Hanley, Justin Anderson, and Colin Heacock. Again, on paper... An excellent, excellent unit. It just hasn't clicked yet. Jordan McIntosh is a veteran leader on that group. RIT class of 2011. He's trying to keep it together. I think the strength of this team ultimately is their defense. JT Giles Harris and Jesse Bernhardt should be back in the lineup. Flanked by Mike Manley. Uh, I like Connor Farrell at the Fogo spot. And they've got some shorties between Mike Messenger and Ryan Tarafenko, who are as good as any. Uh, Sean Scannone has been a little slow starting this year. Thought he looked better in Minnesota. Uh, as his numbers got back to uh, historical norms, so to speak. The Atlas defense sold separately. They'll face the chaos in the in the nightcap at Rafferty Stadium on Saturday night. And the Atlas defense, back-to-back weeks, surrendering 19 points. And what's especially troublesome is that Trevor Baptiste won like every face-off in those games. Uh, he, he, he's been unbelievable. But this defense has really struggled. Uh, Gavin Adler, for the first time this year, got taken to the rack. Brett Makar didn't make many plays. Tucker Durkin now at 32 is trying to hold that unit together. Michael Rexrode had a goal in transition, but uh, Jack Kincannon has had no help. Uh, this defense should be better than it is, considering you got two really good shorties, two, two Team USA shorties and Danny Logan and Jake Richard. So I'm not sure what's, what's wrong there. They're, they're off ball. Their connectivity doesn't seem to be good. They don't seem to be orchestrating things together. They're double teams, they're second slides, they're fills. Uh, and so I'm expecting improvement from this Atlas defense. I think the positives of, the, of this team, well, Jeff Teat. Uh, Jeff Teat needs a lot of touch. He needs a lot of touches. Uh, I, I, I get the ball to Jeff Teat every possession. And, and with his success, you'll see the play of Chris Gray, Xander Dixon, and Eric Law come to the table. Uh, 
Midfield scoring, it's got to be Brian Costabile first and foremost. And I think Romar Dennis then becomes a wrinkle with his two-point shooting. He has not been hitting the net with great frequency this season from the outside. He's a bit overplayed. And if I were Romar, I'd be pumping some of those twos uh, and, and, and taking the ball to the rack. Chaos, Chaos is an interesting team. I think the t- Chaos ultimately is a title contender because of their defense and goaltending. Uh, they chose to start Austin Cow between the pipes last week. I'd be shocked if Blavich Reardon didn't get the start. You got Jack Rowlett coming back in the lineup with Jared Newman and Will Bowen. I think this team, the chaos, is defensive-based. Your two poles, C.J. Costabile and Troy Ray, are capable in transition. I would expect to see face-off man, the rookie from Michigan, Nick Rowlett, back in the lineup as well uh, for Coach Andy Towers. Offensively, you know, it was interesting. They sat Reardon last week, but they played Dane Smith uh, and and they played Josh Byrne, and both of those guys didn't look like they were 100%. They just didn't have that same spark. I mean, Byrne scored the wraparound goal, the around-the-world goal, which was so brilliant, but both guys just didn't seem to have their full legs, and I would expect those guys to bounce back. I expect to see Kyle Jackson, the lefty back in the lineup, running two-man games and playing a little two-way. You put Minicus, the, fr- the rookie, out of Georgetown and Colgate behind the net. You put Smithers, Ryan Smith on the crease, and, and, and I think the chaos will find themselves on offense for Coach Towers. Uh, so that's the action this weekend. Again, Rafferty Stadium Friday and Saturday. The Saturday game at 6 is on ESPN2. I hope you're watching these games. If you're a young player, you really need to be watching because there's some great stuff going on between Michael Sowers, Rob Pinnell, uh, et cetera, et cetera. There, there's a lot to learn. There's a lot to take in, and I think you get better by watching these young men play. Hope you enjoyed this uh, edition of the Quintessential Podcast. Uh, Thanks for listening, uh, and uh, tell a friend if you really enjoy it, and uh, spread the word. Really appreciate you folks, and have a great summer. That's it for this week's episode of the Quintessential Podcast. Thank you to our guests. Thanks to our technical director, Dr. Nick Z. I want to thank you for listening, and of course, thanks to our sponsor, Axia Time a watch. What a better gift than a ring. I've got a championship ring. It's collecting dust in a box. I wear watches all the time. Thank you, Axia Time. It's axiatime.com, and we'll see you next week.